Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. So 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Angie Quinnell with you. Brendan Escott will be back in the catbird seat back at uh, the 630 Chad studios uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'd like to thank Angie again for helping out, along with Cody Jansen over the course of the last three games uh, with... Uh, Brendan on a bit of the DL. Of course, we're continuing our ongoing forensic audit of the season that was the Edmonton Oilers, and that's today's top story brought to you by Grey Rock Exteriors. Mother Nature wreaks havoc on your home. Book your free no-obligation inspection today. Visit greyrockexteriors.ca. Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan Maggie Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Without further ado, we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Welcome back to the show. Our NHL insider, John Shannon. Hello, John. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. The ongoing audit continues of the season that was uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. We, we had some interesting perspectives over the course of the last uh, uh, couple of days. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, the Oilers did not achieve as a team. Uh, I will concede that. Um, where I come from, John, it's tough to win playoff series with 870 save percentages and we've had some people that have texted in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line and say well you're not going to get a 920 save percentage Bob given the caliber of opportunities and I would agree on that um, goaltending uh, wasn't good enough defensive play wasn't good enough I think the defenseman would be the first to tell you that I know Connor and Leon uh, would both tell you they'd, they'd like to have some plays back. There was a suggestion made by a couple guys in the market that uh, Edmonton's not going anywhere unless those guys uh, truly lead and, and learn to take the next step. Uh, now that you've had a couple days to digest the Oilers' uh, inability to get out of the qualifier in the first round, have uh, you changed your uh, your perspective at all on things as to what you, what, what you saw happen here? Uh, I, I don't think so. If, and what, what I, I think they're this is a season that we don't want an asterisk to be beside, but let me just say this. Um, there's an asterisk beside the regular season in that if, if uh, I believe the Oilers would have made the top 16, uh, they were well on their way uh, if 
it was a traditional playoff system. Uh, so at that point, would there be would there would there be as much criticism? Probably not. The fact that they lost a series to a veteran team in five in four games, best of five. Um, you know, truly disappointing. I do. I do suggest that it created a few obvious flaws, the blue line particularly. I do think that there's concern internally in the organization about the goaltending, uh, and th- that will be Ken Holland. In my mind, that will be Ken Holland's biggest off-season challenge: is how to improve the goaltending. Um, and, and and then it then it goes to depth. Bob, then it goes to what needs to happen, uh, not just on the blue line, but on the in the bottom six forwards. Because if, if you if you look at if you look at the top five guys, I do think that when you think of of Connor and Leon and and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, um, you know I, I think that they're going in the right direction. Um, but you know when you get to the third line. You, you expect more, and if that's if Cassian plays on the third line again like he did in the playoffs, you expect more out of Zach. Uh, and I think there's a few more guys. You, you, you expect Chase on and, and Neil did what they I thought they did what they were supposed to do in that series. So there are some, there are some parts that work, uh, but there aren't enough parts, and I think that's the issue. To a man, John, uh, every other player would tell you they need to play better. Okay. Yeah. But when you have a team that, from a team building perspective, is far from a finished product, can you necessarily primarily, you know, point out leadership as an issue with 23 and 24 year old players on a team that's not fully evolved? And, and a team that doesn't, didn't get stops? Well, because that's, you know? Listen, I. I it's always difficult. I mean, and and the, the thing with hockey now is that hockey's gotten so young. There is an expectation that, you know, the 22, 23, 24-year-olds have to lead. Uh, I would suggest that Connor McDavid leads by example every night. Uh, I think that when you looked at uh, over the years as the Penguins improved, Sidney Crosby led by example and learned to be a leader. Um, I, I, do I think Connor needs to learn a bit more? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, but um, I, I, th- I certainly think that his actions on the ice are, the, are his greatest leadership skills. Uh, and then what he does in the room is certainly beyond our purview, but uh, I think that that, comes, that does come with maturity and comes with time. And I think that uh, what they've gone through in the last, what he's gone through personally, what they've gone through this year, I think that will uh, will help Connor in his growth. So I, I, w- I would never, ever think that leadership for Connor McDavid, uh, leadership for some of the other key players uh, is something that would ever come into question. I just think it needs to be developed. Yeah. Um, well, and we'll talk a bit about that developmental uh, process for you. Conversely, John... If Miko Koskinen had had a 920 save percentage in this series, and Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl only scored, for the sake of argument, a goal each in a four-game series, and both were dashed three or four in the series, mm-hmm. and Edmonton won, or Edmonton won one game, two-one, and lost three games, three-two. I do think there would have been greater emphasis on those guys, but the fact is, they did contribute offensively. They ended up being plus players. 
Um, there are a lot of reasons why breakdowns happen. Those guys would take their responsibility, Connor, in game one. Uh, Leon, certainly people will say the, the game winner in game four, the game or game winner in game three, game winner in game four, uh, would share some of the brunt of the responsibility on those goals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, we already had some... It, it, I mean, I, I don't think, I honestly don't think you can... You can uh, do a, an autopsy of the Oiler uh, series against Chicago, and and put any blame on Connor McDavid at all. Uh, I might I might I might put a little bit on Leon just because sometimes he frustrates me the way he plays. Um, but at the end, I mean, you look at the numbers. The numbers are pretty impressive. Um, but at the same time, if you're if you're doing a full autopsy, or as Eugene Melnick would call it, a forensic audit. Uh, if you're doing an autopsy of this club, it's depth, defense, and goaltending are the three major issues. I think most of our listeners tend to uh, concur on that. My point is if they vastly underperformed, hey, go at them. You know, go play whack-a-mole with them and hammer away at them. I was a little bit surprised by a couple of narratives that were out there. Uh, but that's that's to everyone else. You know what? Well, we all have different... You know diff- what? I, 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 worked, I worked with a few people over a long time in our business, in the hockey world and the TV business, and, and every once in a while uh, you'd, there'd be criticism, and, and they'd come up and put their arm around you and say, hey, you know what? It's lonely at the top. Uh, and uh, that, that to me, might be the, the one thing you can say to both Leon and Connor is, hey, Connor, when you're at the, t- when you're at the top, you're going to get criticized no matter what. You're going yeah. to get it. Um, and and you, so you just live with it, you move on, and, and you file it where it should be filed. I had an NHL executive yesterday to me from another organization say, Stoff, how can you guys even judge the Oilers when you have a save percentage in a four-game series of 869? Yeah, that's, that's what the guys. He's, he's, and this guy's got a this guy's got a deep team. This guy's got a really good team, okay. And he point blank said, "You guys had an eight sixty nine save percentage over a four game run. Pucks were funneling in through like you know what through a goose into your net." Yeah. And how like you know okay so and uh, this individual pointed out the first goal against John against Chicago in Game Four. Where Drysaddle cleanly wins the draw back to Clefbaum, and Clefbaum just throws the puck away. I can't, yeah, can't get it. Can't get it out of the zone. I, and then Athanasiu too many times. Athanasiu doesn't get to get out to the point. Leon goes out to the point, doesn't get in the shot lane, and gets criticized by Martin Buran for not on a faceoff win where the Oilers had puck position. And then Clefbaum gets beat, beat back to uh, the rebound by Brandon Saad, who tries to wrap the puck around, and Russell, def- I didn't even know Russell deflected the puck into the net until one of the texters said, yeah, Koskinen was in position, but Russell jabbed his stick in there and elevated the puck up. At, like, There's like five mistakes on that goal. Is that on Leon's fault for winning a defensive zone draw against Jonathan Days? I, that was, I mean, hey. Don't, don't worry, hey, listen. Don't, you know, criticism is for everybody who wants to do it. You don't have to. You don't have to pay attention to it. They won't pay attention to it. Uh, everybody has to have thicker skin when it comes to this kind of stuff. Well, let me ask you, and that's that's. It, it, I find it remarkable how many people think they know what's going on in the room. Like Jack and me, as you know, John, we're on during the course of a in a regular environment. Jack and me are on every flight. We're the only guys uh, on every trip. The the writers for the post media they rotate between three guys, between Jim Matheson, Rob Tichkowski, and Derek Vandes. They rotate their trips, so they're not around the team every day on a day to day basis. Uh, 
Spectre, who does Mark Spectre, who does the show. Sometimes is around the team on the road. Sometimes he's is Gene Principe is probably there about eighty percent of the time on the road. Louie and Kevin or uh, Drew and Kevin, you know, sometimes they travel with the team. Sometimes they don't. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm I'm on that plane. I have no idea what goes on in the room. No idea. And yet there sure seems to be a lot of people that know what's going on in that room. It amazes me, John. It really does. Uh, so I, I tell you, Bob, I am so glad to be on this show with you today so you can vent. Well, thank you. <laughs> can we turn it over to you now? <laughs> it does take time to win, though, and you watched this all through the 80s and 90s, didn't you? With, with great players. With, with, uh, with lots of teams. With lots of teams. It, it, to me, this goes back to playing the game in a hockey-crazed town. And I and I, I I mean that in in such a positive way that this, you know that that this becomes so important to everybody, and the success of this franchise becomes so important to everybody, and the progress that has been made by this franchise, you know, come hell or high water, one way or the other, when you consider where this team was five or six years ago, playing at Rexall uh, and not playing downtown. Uh, you know, with the players that they had. I mean, this, you know, this takes time. You know, did they make some mistakes? Sure they made the mistakes. You can't go through that many coaches in that many years and expect it to be smooth as soon as you find the right guy. Uh, you, you can't do that with managers either. And, I mean, I, I think now they have the two right guys at the helm in Holland and in Tippett. They have two of the best players in the game. Now you ha- now you have to fill in a lot of the other stuff. The some of their draft picks, fingers and toes crossed, are going to come through. Bouchard, Broberg are going to come through. Samarakov, where is where is he in all of this? Is he going to? He didn't have a great year in the American League, but he didn't have a great year in his first year in Guelph either. And look what happened to him. He ended up beating being a better player at times than Bouchard. There are lots of positives. Yamamoto who, you know, when they drafted him, everybody said he was too small, and, and he got his first crack. It didn't work. Uh, now he's come back and, and ha- was a catalyst for this team for the second half of the season. There are lots of good things. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, in my, in my mind, I, and you're going to laugh at me, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins has rekindled his career. And everybody can say he was always this good. He was, he was up and down in positions like a yo-yo. Now we at least know that he's going to be a winger. He's an elite, complimentary winger. That's yeah, what he is. We know that now. And, yep. and, and, so, so, and the, the good thing is he works great on special teams. And, you know, maybe one day in the next six months they're going to decide that he plays better with Leon or he plays better with Connor. There are some positives out of this. It's not all negative. And, I mean, I, I, you know, if, if we had the old system of 16 teams and the, and the Oilers were the – Number three seed in the uh, in the Pacific. I don't think they were going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. But you know what? They w- they would get better. The frustration with me, and I think with a lot of people, is, and I look at Montreal uh, for for this line is, they the Oilers don't get another chance of another round of earning some some badges of of playoff experience. That's the biggest frustration I think for the organization by losing to Chicago in four games. John, can you confirm or deny yesterday's game that went into five overtime periods, did you produce those games back in the 1930s when Mud Brutenow scored in the sixth overtime period? 
You know, Bob, this is a family show. <laughs> uh, I didn't do the Mud Brunito show, but uh, I, what I can tell you is, is that uh, uh, I, I saw my pal Cuthbert tweet out he was picking Keith Primo to score the winner. I was the executive producer hockey night when he and Greg Millen did that five overtime in, in Pittsburgh, game four against the Penguins, Flyers and Penguins, and that was a that was a series changer too because the Flyers went on to win in, in six games over the Penguins. But uh, I, I have done a few long games. Brett Hall goal, uh, the in the crease goal, Jason Arnott that, for the Devils the following year. I, I've, yeah. I've done a few long overtime games. Uh, Peter yeah. Klima. Peter Klima. I was there in Boston for that one. I did that one as well. That was awesome in 1990. That's all I is The magic thing about that one with, the, with Klima was uh, we didn't have the, the statistics in the web uh, at our sure. disposal, like, and not many of us knew that he'd only played three shifts by by the time by the time he shot the buck. So the fact that uh, uh, that Klima came out as fresh as a daisy and scored the winner from the near boards that to me was, and and we were aware that he was the only guy not playing very much. That to me was a big story. Uh, one of these next season when you come back into town and maybe you'll be around a lot. Um, I'm going to take you to Pub 1905 to go see my man Dan Baker. We watched Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final in 1990 at the Jacka Club's Bar in Wells, B.C. And, of course, the game did go in a triple overtime, which meant that two relatively healthy guys who could recover quickly went pretty hard that night, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, we, we were the only guys in the entire bar cheering for the Everybody was so sick of Edmonton winning, especially the province of BC. You can imagine how uh, upset they were. So fortunately, uh, you know, Dan is that six foot one, 220-pound guy that people just kind of leave alone. You, were, you used to be that, right? Uh, <laughs> you used to be six one. You're not anymore. It's, it's two hundred and twenty pounds, and you're not anymore. Uh, I haven't seen two hundred and twenty pounds since nineteen ninety two. John, I'm, great stuff. Thanks for one eighty. So it's okay. It don't matter. <laughs> there you go. Hey, great stuff. Thanks, John. Okay, Bob. That's John Shannon, our NHL insider. We'll step out. It's one fifty one in Edmonton. Wrap up the show when we return on orders now. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Special shout-out to my man Mitch, who's telling me that uh, they're getting us live up in Peerless and Trout Lake. That is great to hear. To this day in Oilers history, uh, going back August 12, 47 years ago today, Todd Marchant was born. He played parts of 10 seasons with the Oilers, 678 games total, had 136 goals, 343 points, and as many of you know, scored a huge goal for the mid-90s Oilers, Game 7 against Dallas in OT. And uh, that helped spawn a new generation of Oilers fans. Uh, the 97 and 98 upsets over Dallas in the first round of 97, Colorado in 98. Reed Wilkins will have inside sports tonight. He'll have Oilers radio in-game analyst Rob Brown and two times Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins, current Penguins radio analyst Phil Bork on today's show. Tomorrow is Truculent Thursday. Louis DeBrusque, Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack. Uh, Rob Kinsey and his group at Canadian Power Pack. So Berkey, uh, Louis, and George LaRock, Brendan Escott will be back as well. Coming up today, uh, just after 2 o'clock with Jayla and I, 
former Prince Albert Raider. He was on uh, one of the greatest junior teams of all time, the 84-85 Raiders, Memorial Cup champions, uh, that were headed up in the back end by current Spokane Chiefs head coach, uh, former Oilers assistant, Emmanuel Viveros, and... Uh, they had a bunch of Edmonton area guys on that team. Dale McPhee's the police chief. He'll join Jalen as Edmonton's experienced a sharp spike in reports of violent crime this year compared to the previous three-year average. Why is that, and what are we seeing? Well, hopefully, uh, Dale McPhee can provide some insight on that front. That wraps up the... Wednesday edition of Oilers Now. I'd like to thank all of you who listened and participated and texted us. I know we got a lot of texts, a lot of your thoughts. Uh, always appreciate the feedback on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen Nye. Special thanks to Angie Quinnell today. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.